Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence. Dow Automotive Systems, innovations for clean powertrain solutions. And by Hyundai. Experience the 2011 Hyundai Sonata today at HyundaiSonata.com. This is AutoLine Daily for April 26, 2011. And now the news. For the first three quarters of last year, Ford Motor Company posted impressive profits. But in the fourth quarter, Ford's earnings dropped off dramatically. It's like the wheels fell off the car. And so Wall Street has been waiting with bated breath to see if Ford's first quarter earnings would show that the company is back on track. Well, the results are in and they're back to being impressive. Ford sold 150,000 more vehicles in the first quarter of this year compared to last, but what a difference those sales made. Revenue was over $33 billion for the first three months, $5 billion more than a year ago. Net profits hit $2.6 billion, an increase of $466 million. The company also paid down another $2.5 billion in debt. North America, and the United States in particular, is where the company made most of its money, $1.8 billion in pre-tax profits. In Europe, the company posted a $293 million profit, twice as much as a year before, and that really vindicates Ford's strategy of going after profits in Europe instead of market share. In South America, Ford posted a profit of $210 million, and in the Asia-Pacific region, it earned $33 million, both more than before. The Asia-Pacific region, of course, includes China. And as I've pointed out before, not many automakers making big bucks by selling cars in China. However, Ford's revenue there jumped by nearly half a billion dollars, and it's that kind of growth that has automakers dreaming of making a fortune there someday. All in all, this is an impressive performance from Ford. Bravo, Alan Mulally. But now we're going to have to wait for Volkswagen's results to come in to see which automaker is the most profitable in the world. The automotive industry in India is projected to pass Brazil, Russia, and the rest of Europe by 2015. That would make India the fourth largest car market in the world behind China, the US, and Japan. This is from a report from global consulting firm Booz & Company, which says that over the next 8 to 12 years, automakers will invest $35 billion in India and predicts there will be much more competition, especially from VW and Toyota. Last year, total sales in India were 2.7 million units. The report predicts that by the end of the decade, sales could be as high as 6 million. The reason they're so bullish on India is due to strong economic growth. The country's GDP has increased nearly 8% every year since 2004, and there is a growing middle class in the country estimated at between 100 and 150 million people. And speaking of changes in the ranks, Toyota could slip to third place in the automotive race due to the disaster in Japan. GM may take back the top spot with Volkswagen moving into second. Back to China for a moment. GM stopped building minivans for the U.S. market in 2008, but over in China, they're still selling well, but as luxury models. The Buick GLA minivan is mainly sold as a chauffeured ride for executives. The GLA sells for $35,000 to nearly $60,000. 
and the company's making a huge profit on it because it's based on the old minivan platform. Hey, good news for EV owners. The Chevy Volt and Nissan Leaf just aced the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety's rigorous crash test. The two electrics earned top safety pick honors from the organization. This is the IIHS's first ever test of mainstream electric cars. A look at that sheet metal bend. You can almost feel the impact. And you know, protecting those batteries is hypercritical. Here's what happens to a lithium ion battery when it's punctured or crushed. In just a matter of seconds, temperatures soar to nearly 100 degrees Celsius, which is over 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And once they start burning, they're very difficult to put out. Last year, Lincoln began offering customers in the American market the chance to buy a hybrid version of the MKZ for no extra cost over the regular powertrain in the car. So far, the results seem to be mixed. Sales of the hybrid are hovering a little over 20% of the mix. Lincoln says that in Southern California, the take rate is more like 60%. Even so, I find it amazing that three out of four buyers don't want a hybrid, even if they don't have to pay more to get it. Now, maybe these numbers are going to change somewhat with the recent rise in gasoline prices, but this suggests to me that the public is not very enamored of hybrids, and it calls into question how enthusiastic they'll be for electric cars. And maybe here's the reason why Americans don't like hybrids. Ram just introduced a new concept pickup called the Long Hauler. Built off a Ram 5500 commercial chassis, this thing features a wheelbase that stretches nearly 198 inches. Included in that span is a four-door mega cab body and an eight-foot bed. Perhaps even more eye-opening than its sheer size is how much fuel it holds. It's got room for 162 gallons of diesel. Let's see, at today's prices, it would cost about $700 to fill the tank. That should be enough dinosaur juice to cross the continental United States with just two pit stops. No word on if this beast will get built, but there shouldn't be anything stopping Chrysler from putting it into production, except, of course, consumer demand. There just aren't that many people out there that need to tow over 19,000 pounds. The Indy 500's coming up next month and they've just introduced some new technology on the cars to prevent them from catching on fire. More on that after this. Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. One of the most dangerous times in a race is during a pit stop. The fuel is forced into a red-hot car, making fires a constant danger. So the IndyCar series just came up with some clever technology that addresses this problem. Anytime a car would leave its pit box with a fuel probe attached, obviously that is a recipe for disaster. But for over a year, HPD, or Honda Performance Development, has been working on a cure, and they found it. They call it the Fuel Safety Interlock. And the lead engineer on that program is Jim Goodlow. And Jim, tell us how this works. Well, it's actually a pretty simple system. It, it uses a small optical sensor that attaches to the refueling buckeye. And you can see there's a, a little light 
anytime the refueling nozzle is plugged in, that sensor detects the nozzle and commands the gearbox control unit to make sure that the gearbox remains in neutral so the driver can't leave from the pits. Hey, just some housekeeping notes here. If you tried to download the most recent podcast of AutoLine After Hours, number 99 with Barb Samarzic, and you got the wrong show, well, we fixed the problem. You can re-download the show from iTunes or the John's Journal page of AutoLineDetroit.tv. Thanks to everyone who helped us track down this little mistake. And that's today's report on the top news in the global automotive industry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. How does 12 million impressions grab you? Get your advertising message in front of the most engaged automotive consumers in the world. Call me, Stacy Eman, at 586-255-1364.